1: Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton.
2: Predictive prophecy is unique to the Bible. There's no other book, no other religious books or religious writings that have predictive prophecy, predicting future events as we find here in chapter 49. It's unique to the Bible and prophecy demonstrates the divine authorship of the Bible because only God knows the end from the beginning. And so it shows us, it proves to us that the Bible is not an ordinary book written by men. It's written by God. It's trustworthy. You can trust the Bible.
1: And predictive prophecy is one of the places that critics or skeptics of the Bible have problems. How could mere mortals predict what would happen even three days in the future, let alone hundreds or thousands of years from their time? So they invent excuses, like the books were back-credited after the fact. But as you'll hear in Pastor Dan's teaching today... The declarations made by Jacob about his sons was clearly fulfilled. History affirms the words spoken by Jacob and confirms the truth of God's Word. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Genesis chapter 49 for today's edition of Ring of Truth.
2: We're going to be back in the book of Genesis, chapter 49. If you want to turn there in your Bible. And once you've turned to Genesis 49, please stand for me as I read our passage for today. Beginning in verse 1, And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together, that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear you, sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn. My might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power, unstable as water, you shall not excel. Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Instruments of cruelty are in their dwelling place. Let not my soul enter their council. Let not my honor be united to their assembly. For in their anger they slew a man, and in their self-will they hamstrung an ox. Curse it be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for this chapter that we're beginning today. Lord, we pray and ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher we ask, Lord, that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to your word. We pray and ask, Lord, that your spirit would be upon me to teach your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today we begin to look at Jacob's final words to his 12 sons in what is really a wonderful chapter that we'll spend a couple weeks, maybe three weeks in And as we see in this chapter, Jacob has a specific word for each of his 12 sons. And today we're going to look at what Jacob says to three of his sons, Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. Now at this point, Jacob is at the end of his life. He knows he's dying. He's literally on his deathbed. And he calls his 12 sons to his bedside. So he can share a final word with each son before he passes into glory. And it's a very, very beautiful, touching scene of a dying father sharing a last word and moment with his sons. I imagine it was comforting to Jacob to have all of his sons present with him in the room one final time and to be able to speak to each son individually one last time and for the family to be together for this experience as their father passes away. I look at this and I think, may God give each of us such grace when we come to the end of our lives to have the opportunity to be gathered with our family and our loved ones and our friends and to be able to speak to each of our children one final word before we go to be with Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 21 tells us that Jacob was full of faith and worshipped when he was dying. What a way to describe a person who's dying. Again, would it be so for us when our time comes to be full of faith in Jesus Christ? Not full of regret, not full of bitterness, not full of worry, but full of faith and worshipping the Lord as we pass into eternity. Now, Jacob's final words to each of his sons in chapter 49 are prophecy. They're prophecy. They are describing the future of each of the 12 tribes of Israel that will descend from Jacob's 12 sons. And this chapter provides us with one of the most amazing examples of prophecy in the Bible. And one of the things that makes this chapter so amazing is that We can read the prophecies here in chapter 49, and then we can read ahead in the Old Testament and see how these prophecies were fulfilled in later history. We can verify their fulfillment. Most of these prophecies that Jacob speaks to his sons are fulfilled five, six hundred years later. In the case of Judah, it's fulfilled in Jesus Christ ultimately 1,700 years after Jacob speaks these words. Predictive prophecy is unique to the Bible. There's no other book, no other religious books or religious writings that have predictive prophecy, predicting future events, as we find here in chapter 49. It's unique to the Bible, and prophecy demonstrates the divine authorship of the Bible, because only God knows the end from the beginning. And so it shows us, it proves to us that the Bible is not an ordinary book written by men. It's written by God. It's trustworthy. You can trust the Bible. Now what Jacob says to each of his sons also provides us with some practical application for our lives. What he says shows us what virtues to imitate and what characteristics to avoid in life. So that we will have a blessed life. Look at verse 1. Again, Jacob is on his deathbed. He knows he's dying. He's at the end of his life. And Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Jacob gathers his sons around his bed and he says, gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Now, in your Bible, the phrase in the last days most often refers to the last days of this present age that we're living in, or what we sometimes call the end times, like in Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, where Paul says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And we would all say, Yes, they have. Perilous times have come. Or in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3, know this, that scoffers will come in the last days. That's talking about the last days of this present age before the kingdom age, when Christ returns and establishes his kingdom here on the earth. That's how this phrase, in the last days, is most often used in your Bible. But in some instances... This phrase, in the last days, refers simply to subsequent years. What will happen in subsequent years? The New Living Translation of this verse says, what will happen to each of you in the days to come? So Jacob is speaking prophetically. He's speaking prophecy. And he's telling each of his sons what will happen to them and their descendants in the days to come. And Jacob begins with his son, Reuben, his firstborn. And again, we can read these prophecies here in chapter 49, and then we can look through the rest of the Old Testament, and we can see how God fulfilled these specific prophecies for each tribe. And he begins with Reuben. In verse 3, he says to Reuben, again, try to picture this scene. Here's dad. He's dying. Everybody knows he's dying. It's his last day. Gathered around his bed. They're all there in the room. And now dad begins to speak to each son one by one. He begins with the oldest son, Reuben. And he says to Reuben, Reuben, you are my firstborn. My might. And the beginning of my strength. The excellency of dignity. And the excellency of power. And I'd imagine at this point, Reuben's eyes are swelling up. You know, watering. You know, starting to cry. Because here's, you know, this final conversation with His father. We've talked about this before, but in that culture, the firstborn son had a very important and special position in the family. It was a position of honor. It was a position of privilege in the family. The firstborn son had a responsibility for the family and an obligation to the family. The firstborn son would become the leader of the family, the patriarch, after the father passes away. The oldest son would step into that role as the leader of the family. And the rest of the family, the brothers and sisters, would submit to his leadership as the patriarch. According to the law in Deuteronomy 21.17, the firstborn son would receive a double portion of the inheritance. Double the land, double the property. For example, I have three sons. If we were living under the Mosaic law, my oldest son would receive 50% of my property and my other two sons would each receive 25% of my property. But we're not living under the Mosaic law, so they get zero. They're not getting anything. My wife and I were going to burn through all of it before we die. Now, the reason the firstborn son received a double portion was not just to give him Twice as much as everyone else. He's the leader. He's the patriarch of the family. He's given a double portion to take care of the entire family. In the event a member of the family gets into some kind of financial trouble or falls on hard times, the patriarch then would take care of them and provide for them. And so the oldest son just had a greater responsibility financially and materially for the provision of the family. or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth Radio Ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it.
1: Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now let's finish today's message.
2: Now, Reuben, the oldest son, the firstborn, he did not receive the double portion of the inheritance. We saw that in chapter 48. Jacob gave the double portion of the inheritance to Joseph by giving it to Joseph's two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. So Reuben did not receive the double portion. Neither did he receive the leadership role in the family. The leadership of the family will be given to Judah. If you look down at verse 8, Jacob tells Judah, your father's children shall bow down before you. So the role of the firstborn was divided between Joseph and Judah. Judah became the leader of the family, and Joseph received the double inheritance. Verse 4 tells us why. Why Reuben was disqualified from the role of the firstborn in the family. Again, picture the scene. Dad's final words. And he says to his son, Reuben, you're unstable as water. You shall not excel. Now, this is prophetic. He's speaking prophecy. Because, here's why, you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Now, there's a few things I want to say about verse 4. This is referring to Reuben's sin with Bilhah, back in chapter 35, verse 22 of your taking notes. A sin that Reuben committed, by the way, years before this. Back in chapter 35, verse 22, when Reuben committed this sin, it says Jacob heard about Reuben's sin with Bilhah, but it doesn't say that Jacob confronted Reuben about his sin at that time. It seems, and many commentaries indicate, that Jacob waited until now to confront Reuben about his sin. And if that's the case, for all these years, Reuben thought he got away with it. The old man never found out. Remember years ago, I was down in Florida when my dad was still alive, and we were at, I always had my boys, and we were at my dad's house, and my dad had my old BB gun. <laughs> and he said, hey, I have your old BB gun. Why don't you take it with you back to Maryland? And so we're standing out in the backyard, and my dad's inside, and this thing's ancient. Like, it was like my older brother's BB gun and got passed down to me, so it's really old. And I wasn't even sure it would still fire. And so I just, and I shot it, and in the back of my dad's property, he had this workshop thing, this building, and I shot it, and much to my surprise, it made it all the way back to the back of the property and hit his workshop and punched a hole in the siding on the workshop. Instantly, I was 11 years old again, and I turned to my sons and said, don't say anything to your grandfather. We'll be back in Maryland before he realizes there's a hole in that building. My father passed away like four or five years ago. I got away with it. He never knew. He never found out. He might know now, but he's in glory, so it's all okay, right? (laughs) So, for Reuben, all these years have gone by. Dad never said anything. Reuben's thinking, Dad never found out. Dad never knew. No, Dad did know. And Dad's bringing it up now with you, (laughs) Reuben, in his final conversation with you. This reminds us that nothing we do is hidden from God. He sees everything, He knows everything. There's no such thing as secret sin that we get away with. Nobody is going to get away with anything in this life. Ecclesiastes twelve fourteen says, God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing. This is why Jesus Christ is so wonderful and the gospel is so wonderful, because through the cross of Jesus Christ, all of our sins are blotted out, including secret sins. In Isaiah chapter 44, verse 22, the Lord God says, I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions and like a cloud your sins. All of our sins have been blotted out by the blood of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, God says, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. If you're in Christ, God remembers your sins No more. God forgives us of all of our sins through Jesus Christ. And God forgets all of our sins through Jesus Christ. And he'll never again bring them up. Ever, ever. Unlike Jacob here with his son, Reuben. Jacob brings up Reuben's sin from many years before that maybe Reuben thought he got away with it. And now it comes up. Also, another thing I want to point out about verse 4 Reuben's brothers apparently weren't aware of Reuben's sin and are learning of it for the first time right now. If you read verse 4 carefully, Jacob shifts to speaking in the third person. He was speaking to Reuben about his sin, and then he tells his other sons, he went up to my couch. So maybe the brothers are standing there saying, man, what is Why is dad getting on Reuben's case? Well, he went up to my couch. That's why. And so the brothers are finding out now for the first time about Reuben's sin. Jacob tells them about their brother's sin. Jesus said the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. And all that is secret will be made known to all. Aren't you glad you're in Christ? Because for us in Christ, all of our sins have been covered, taken away. For those that aren't in Christ, all that is secret will be made known to all. Now, the text doesn't tell us Reuben's reaction (laughs) or the brother's reaction or the expression on their faces when they heard this or how big their eyes got when they heard dad bring this up. Again, here on his deathbed, these final words. But I imagine this really changed the tone in the room. And I want you to see here and I want you to note that Reuben's sin cost him. It cost him his place in the family. And it cost him his privilege as the firstborn son. Sin always comes at a cost. And the price tag on sin is always high. Sin is always overpriced. In the case of Reuben, his sexual sin, his adultery with Bilhah, it was a momentary sin that had long-lasting consequences. And listen, any sin can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no sin that is too great for the forgiveness found in Christ. But there still may be consequences to that sin, especially sexual sin. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 32 says, Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor will he get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. The writer of Proverbs says the person who commits adultery lacks understanding. You don't understand the long-lasting impact this sin will have on your life and your family. He says you will destroy yourself with this sin. It will leave wounds and dishonor. And the shame and reproach will never be erased. And Reuben had to live with the consequences of his sexual immorality. Reuben was once the firstborn. The might of his father. The beginning of his father's strength. Excelling in dignity and power. And all of that was lost. For a few minutes of pleasure. All of it. And so he says, Reuben is unstable as water and shall not excel in the future. Again, Jacob spoke this prophetically about the tribe of Reuben. Instability characterized Reuben's life and instability characterized his descendants, the tribe of Reuben. And again, we can trace this prophecy's fulfillment. We can trace the instability of the tribe of Reuben in the Old Testament and see its fulfillment. For example, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot these down. In Numbers chapter 16, we find the two most famous members of the tribe of Reuben. Most famous in all of the Bible. Dathan and Abiram. And what are they famous for? Participating in a rebellion. Against the God-ordained leadership of Moses and Aaron. Those are the two most noteworthy members of the family. And they're noted for their rebellion against God's order. Then in Numbers chapter 32, as Israel was about to enter the promised land, they're right there at the border of the promised land, about to go in. Reuben, along with the tribe of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh, decided, we don't want to go into the promised land. We want to just live right here. Just outside the promised land.
3: <laughs> he asked me how I know and I say than the finest crystal. You've
1: been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton as he teaches verse by verse through the book of Genesis. This Old Testament book of history and the start of what God created teaches you much about God's plan for the future. We hope you'll continue to tune in for Pastor Dan's studies. If you ever have any questions about what you've heard or would like someone to pray with, would you give us a call? You can reach us by calling 410-491-4592. Once again, that number is 410-491-4592. You can also fill out the prayer request form at calvaryec.com. Just click on the Connect tab to access it. We'd love to meet you in person, too. If you're in Columbia, Maryland... Please join us this weekend for worship and studying scripture together at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. There'll be time to meet your brothers and sisters in Christ, too, and to spend time in prayer. We look forward to sharing this time of worship together with you. You'll find service times and directions at our website, calvaryec.com. While you're there, please be sure to check out additional teachings from the Bible. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Once more, that's calvaryec.com. That's all we have time for today. There's much more to gain through this study through the book of Genesis. So be sure to join us next time on Ring of Truth.
3: I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and them. Well, I know because I know His voice and it only takes